With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Honestly, if you ask me then, do I want to win the lottery or do I want to win this role, I would have told you without a doubt I wanted this. That's how, that's how hungry I was for this. How, that's how, much, how eager I was for it. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and it's been incredible since. Kiyu Kwan is still remembered fondly for his childhood roles in films such as The Goonies and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Now, he's making a comeback in a big way with roles including the hit film Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm Clayton Davis. On this week's episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit podcast, we sit down with Kiyu Kwan and talk about his fascinating career. Later, we chat with actor Ben Foster about his new film, Emancipation, which also stars Will Smith. But first, the roundtable discusses new contenders, including Babylon from Damien Chazelle and Glass Onion from Ryan Johnson. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Well, hi, everyone. It is Variety TV editor Michael Schneider, along with Janelle Riley. First. <laughs> You're one of those awful commenters on, no. on the internets. First. And uh, Jazz Tanke. Second. Uh, and bringing up the rear. Oh, that sounded wrong. That sounded inappropriate. I apologize, Clayton oh, Davis. Hope HR is listening. <laughs> Last. HR is not listening. <laughs> so that's how we- I believe HR listens to our podcast. <laughs> so we have to be on our best behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Our award-nominated podcast. Yeah, our, well, our award-nominated if they podcast. are listening, we have some apologies to make. We do. Yeah, we should. Yeah. A lot. Should we? Well, well, first off, this isn't an apology. It's more like a mm. sigh of relief. So last week's episode, we actually taped on election day, and all signs pointed to the end of democracy. <laughs> and we were not feeling it. We were not feeling great last week. Uh, the the the. The doom and gloom, the clouds were uh, heavy, and it just felt like, well, this is it. <laughs> nice run, America, but... Uh, you make a plan and God laughs. Luckily, well, I mean, thankfully, mm. we apparently still do have a democracy. Uh, in many cases, sanity has prevailed, and we live to fight another day, uh, and we'll just continue to <laughs> watch the democracy slowly crumble, <laughs> as opposed to all at once. <laughs> So that's we, thing we, we look one. at Janelle Riley as the Carrie Lake of variety, right? I yeah. don't even know what that means. Because Gosh, I, she's, she's got a, the she's a monster, yeah. the filter lady, the one that Cecily Strong's going to win an Emmy for this year. Got Vaseline on yeah. the, uh, the camera. Oh, I in did the background. see that. That was hilarious. Oh God, yeah. Um, but so that's thing one. Thing 
two, uh, Janelle does have an apology. So <laughs> let's throw... <laughs> so, For all our talk about the costume contest yes. being rigged. Yes, this is... Uh, uh, this, and we never placing. We should tell people real quick, this is the Penske, the media corporation, uh, is uh, does a costume contest every year, and people bring their A-game. Oh my God, it's amazing. They no. do fantastic. Uh, I've done it for a couple of years. I've never won. Most but... famously is Steve Buscemi, how do you do, fellow yes. kids? Yes, and then one year my wife and I actually dressed as the uh, Pricewaterhouse accountants who screwed up the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And we had a great time. But um, close to home. But uh, <laughs> this year, Janelle... First off, remind people what your costume was. It was uh, the Elvis Universe version of Joy from Everything Everywhere All at Once, and my pit bull Wilbur was the pig that, that Joy enters with. And I thought it was very clever and almost didn't even enter the contest because I never win and because people here do enter some really impressive contests. I was like, oh, what's even the point? Yeah. But I did, and I placed third. Yes. Oh, and the beautiful thing is they made a donation to Wags and Walks. Yeah. Oh. Um, yes. Yeah, Shout out. Yeah. Shout yeah. out. That's the most important thing. Yeah. So, so more pities will find yeah. home. Shout definitely. out to PMC. See, HR, are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> we love you. We love PMC. And just for, for those who obviously can't see this, but Janelle's sweater has like the googly eyes. It does have the googly eyes. <laughs> I put those on there before there was a run on googly eyes because mm. this was before the movie came out for a Q&A. That's how, I, okay, you're outing me for not washing this sweater. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so do, you, do you wash sweaters, by the way? I don't know. Yeah. I dry clean them. Yeah, well, this is dry cleaning, like, yeah. flick yeah. it off. Um, yeah, so uh, now there's a run on googly eyes in the world yeah. and I have like 20 of them on my sweater. That is great. You know, it's so funny. I hadn't even noticed the Google <gasps> yeah. until Jazz mentioned it. Well, I started putting them on everything, and I have this R2-D2 dress with a bunch of R2-D2s, and I put googly eyes right on the little, you know, his one little eye, and nobody even noticed. It was hilarious. <laughs> did yeah. you put them on rocks? I do. Well, of course. That's yeah, the obvious that's, thing yeah. to do. Yeah. That was going to be my, my ultimate the best Halloween universe. costume. Yeah. Just be a rock. Actually, around my neighborhood, people have been putting googly eyes on the cactuses. So I've as you're jog- jogging really? by, it's oh. uh, some some it's nice cartoon characters saying hi mm-hmm. as, as you're walking by. Uh, have you ever seen that sketch with Christopher Walken where he's the man who's afraid of plants? So he puts googly eyes <laughs> on everything. And he's like, <laughs> yes. people say mm. that eyes are the doorway to the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yes. yes. I loved your Christopher Walken impression uh, i'm so yeah. tired yeah. y'all and i don't even have an excuse because i didn't go to babylon last night oh. but i'm exhausted Ooh, segway. Segway. Janelle with the segue call her a mall cop because she's on a segue <laughs> <laughs> so babylon um i know reviews are not uh, allowed out yet but uh, social are and, encouraged and a podcast <laughs> is a social uh, yes, tool is. so <laughs> we we are just sharing the social uh, in- information so um just is this just a pure or uh, uh, what is this film? It's the most movie of the year. I think that's I like you could say. That. It's the most movie. The most. The most. It's, movie. it's extra. Is, it's that, ex- is it, that what the kids would say? Yeah, it, it is. Um, By the way, even the negative reactions excited me. Yeah, like yeah. the way that they were yes. worded, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm there, gonna love this. <laughs> there's, there's a few movies this year that are going to bring about some morbid curiosity <laughs> to to the conversation. I think people are going to want to see it, and this is definitely going to be one of them. At a breezy three hours and eight minutes. Dear God. God. Three hours and eight minutes. minutes. Yeah. It's the eight minutes, it's man. Eight minutes, it really is the eight minutes because when I when I looked to see how much time I had left, I was like an hour and eight minutes, and then I knew I was at the three hour mark. And I was like, oh man. Did you did you did you have to pee at some point? I or? did I did, and I was thinking about going, and then I was like, no, I feel like I'm gonna 
miss something kind yeah, of because it didn't feel like there was a moment where like there, oh yeah. this is a pee break moment i think yeah. you can walk out here and not miss anything is there a website that tells us what a good time to go to the bathroom is in a movie obviously the movie oh, has to have been out a little I feel while like there, i feel like there was yeah, I, yeah there was but some... if there's not hold on oh, yeah, yeah, com backslash <laughs> bathroom breaks um by the way that would be a great shh i know we're, 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 <laughs> other other publications are listening yeah, to know. this uh other pmc brands um so wait so it i don't it's hard people ask me if i liked it and i don't know how to answer that the first hour and 15 minutes i was really on board like i was like oh this is great so so back it up real quick though, sure. for for folks who you know because we have a wide variety of listeners mm-hmm. and some people uh, listening what probably have no idea what Babylon is so it is, yeah what is the plot oh yeah, yeah. It, it is a it's a look at old Hollywood in the in starts in nineteen twenty seven I think yeah because it really starts out with a time clock and then we jump time for some reason um, nineteen twenty seven old Hollywood and it's aspiring artists. Like one's a famous actor played by Brad Pitt, one's an aspiring actress from New Jersey played by Margot Robbie, a Mexican man who crossed the border some years ago with his parents, that's Diego Calva, and then a bunch of other characters. And they're just in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll version of 1927 Hollywood that I've never seen depicted before. The movie, this is what you need to know. The title card doesn't come up for 30 minutes. Ah, yeah. Page from Fresh. It's it starts with elephant poop and an and an orgy, <laughs> a lot of orgies, and a lot of elephant poop. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Please tell me they're not in the same. Yeah, like, that's what I was like. <laughs> I mean, there is an elephant in an orgy scene, but it is the same elephant, but he doesn't poop in the orgy. <laughs> okay. But there is poop. It's almost like Triangle. I think somebody posted it last night, but like. Damien saw Triangle of Sadness and was like, hold my beer. Oh, yeah. oh, oh no, that was I said. It was like Damien, someone read Sodom and Gomorrah to, to Damien <laughs> Chazelle and he said, hold my beer. Yeah. And then he went all out on this. So the hour, first hour and 15 minutes, it is, I was, I thought a lot of Uncut Gems. Oh, interesting. Uncut Gems I really like. But as soon as it was over, I said to myself, I'll never watch that again because that gave me too much agita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how the first hour and 15 minutes are. Like, it doesn't let up. And then it does a tonal switch that doesn't work. And I think that's where it struggles the most. So there are a few great individual scenes in that last hour 45. But in a three-hour movie, I felt like I barely knew any characters. Uh, do you think this changes the Oscar race at all? <sighs> No. No. Not in any categories? I mean, best in show is Margot. Leader supporting. She's She is lead. I definitely see why it was probably a question for a minute that she could be supporting because she disappears for 35 in minutes. In a two-hour movie, would she be a lead? <laughs> I mean, she. I think she's lead for sure. Yeah. I think that I, I, she just disappears for a huge chunk of it that you just don't know where what happened to her. And then she comes back randomly. Um, she is lead. She, I just think it's a really beefy lead actress race, mm, and I think is. I think it's gonna be and it's and it's the penultimate drop of the season because now all that's left is Avatar at three yeah. hours and eleven minutes and Emancipation technically <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, technically yeah, yeah like, be- technically Emancipation that yeah. we're under embargo, yeah. Um, but yeah the. the the crafts are are great. Justin Hurwitz's score is oh, incredible. incredible. I, I think that's probably the best shot it has. And then maybe production design, costume, maybe makeup. Um, Brad Pitt. I mean, he's he's good. 
He's, yeah. he's good. How much of it is is sort of a, a accurate depiction of of Hollywood of that era? Is it, is it a love letter to someone early said, Hollywood? I've seen. I saw it, that term "love letter" tossed around so much yeah, yesterday. They they said it is not a love letter. It is like a it is a terroristic threat. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it is, and that, not necessarily in a bad way. But I, I, I will I will say this: a good terroristic threat. Hey, good terrorists. Um, this this is where I, I land on it. I'll try to say this so politely and so clearly. We are in this time of Oscar-winning auteurs getting carte blanche and making what you want. And yeah. Final Cut is yours. I think we are really undervaluing and underestimating the power of a production note. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's something we talk about a lot on the TV side, too, in, in uh, the era of prestige TV. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some shows, you know, could use some executive notes. You know, the, the network note has become such a negative connotation, but sometimes, you know, network executives actually are good at their job. Yeah. like And same in film, I'm sure. And, and I think there is a masterful hour and 55 minute version of this movie that's a masterpiece, probably. It's a pretty mediocre, I think, three-hour, oh. eight-minute. It was four hours originally, right? Yeah, he, his original cut was four hours long. I'm sure he wanted to do it, too. I know so many people who said, like, they did not mind the length. They just loved every second of it and it didn't feel long. I wonder, I mean, would uh, Chazelle ever be willing to do the the edit version? You know, like the... No, the, they only yeah. do longer versions. The, the, the seven-inch yeah. uh, single version of You know what's funny? You know, what Babylon? I thought, you know what I thought of in the middle of it? Like, this totally probably should have been a miniseries, and the Eddie should have been a movie that he did for Netflix. What's the Eddie? Remember the, oh, with, remember with Andre, Andre Holland? Oh, that... That show was called Oh the Eddie. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were talking about an award. Oh, no, the Eddie uh, yeah, Award. Yeah, yeah. Well, eight Eddies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that series. Actually, I, I, yeah. I, I, I like the series, but I but I actually think it would have made a fabulous movie. Like I think it, it, there was a movie in there, and this I think would have made a fabulous miniseries. So is it too late for them to switch that? I or? mean, I mean, we could retroactively go back. Yeah. I love Andre Holland. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think and there, there are some really problematic things that are in some of the characters that are in my column really? that, that will be up by the time people are listening to this. I guess you can't really talk about that. Just well, yet, well no, but... I mean, it's going to be up by the time. Okay. Like, so, so, uh, so no spoilers. Please. Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. There is, I think all the people of color characters are highly problematic in the movie. Cause I just feel like they have no agency. They have no, if you pluck them out, nothing changes. And there's a scene with blackface that I don't think serves what he was going for. Uh, That's part of the tonal shift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You could could have cut that and still had a three-hour, (laughs) seven-minute I think my question at the end of that scene, like it was really uncomfortable to watch, and I was like, why? Mm. Like that was my thing. Like Like, why? Why? Mm. Although, Giovanna Depo, can we just say, learn to play the trumpet. Love him. And plays it like a master. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Like it. He's really good at uh, just being Giovanna. He's a great actor. You know, you're at the mercy of what's given to you. And I think that's the issue. Do you see much of my beloved Gene Smart? You don't for a good amount of it. Like at first I was like, she's just kind of movie wallpaper for a bit. Then she gets one good scene at the end. And this is probably my other issue. This is now, I feel like the 10th movie in the last few years or 10th anything that 
directors are like poo-pooing journalists. Like you don't know what we do for our art and you don't know, you know, you don't know what it's like to create. And we're always being the bad guys. And I don't appreciate that. Like if you're making stuff for consumers, then you're at the mercy of criticism. And that's our job, just like you have your job. And you cannot agree with us, but we're not the villains in the story. You know, if people love your film and we're wrong, then great. We own it, but we're not just the villains in this. And I feel like that that's Gene Smart's purpose in the, in the movie. Yeah. Remember there was a, f- a film critic and someone like really didn't like him, so they named the villain in, I think it was Galaxy Quest after him. Oh, wait, yeah. is it, is it uh, Malcolm and Marie talk about? Well, Malcolm and Marie was, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that was directed at someone very specific. And Birdman does it with Inyadi Du and the theater critic, the Keaton and theater critic scene. I love that it's scene. It's in Bardo yeah. uh, this year also. You yeah, know, but I think I think in Inaritu's films, he kind of sides with the critics a lot of the I time. I mean, yeah, but in, in Bardo, I feel like it's, it, it's much more pronounced. And, so Chazelle does this in the movie, and I'm kind of like, can we like stop making this like a theme? <laughs> like, guys, we're well, Clayton, you a are a lot of variety in the movie, though. By the way, there is a lot oh, of yeah? variety. Like, like ten or eleven issues of variety yeah. get thrown on the table in but quick cuts. Are we up for best supporting? Something? I mean, might as well be. I don't. Yeah. Uh, best there, cap- I don't think I saw a byline though. I think it was no, just there like, were no bylines. Oh, well, yeah. it would have been like twenties. So I mean, listen, if it's a Michael Schneider, would have died laughing. To be fair, yeah, I have been working at Variety since 1929. Yeah, so. Well, that's uh, I, I'm still I'm intrigued now. Yeah. I mean, you you've only excited me I, more. I think you I think you want to see it. But uh, now, jazz. Let's... Oh, sorry. Okay. Aside from the parking, what did you think? <laughs> I okay. I did have to make a comment about the parking because that was like very messy. That's but, why I didn't go last night. Um, but I really loved it. I love those films about decadence and extravagance and just seeing Hollywood in the 1920s and the silent era because. A lot of the film is about the transitioning of, you know, putting sound into films. Um, I thought the production design, Florencia Martin's production design was great. Um, Look, I I enjoyed it. Yes, there are a few problematic scenes and the editing, you know, it's like there's the ending too, which I think we discussed, but I won't spoil that. And you're like, wait, I don't get that, but I just want to hear why he did it. but no, I I I loved it. Mm. I I can see why people didn't like it. I can see the the hate tweets yeah. and why tweets. Are we still on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, still on Twitter. what's left of it. Yeah, and that's um, the official mark. I, I would watch it again though. Like I, yeah. I think I, that's what I'm maybe it's going to be film Twitter's favorite movie of all time though. Yeah. Of all time, Lots of good there movies. is a brilliant. Oh yeah. oh yeah, for sure. There is a brilliant. If you thought Triangle of Sadness is like vomiting poop scene was something i think it's just been topped who would have thought this year would be about severed fingers vomiting and dildos literally i won't say which of those relates to what i'm about to say but that reminds me that the menu opens this weekend Mm. and i love this movie so please everyone go see it Mm. Yeah. Uh, Elephant poop and dildos. Yeah. <laughs> Give it away. <laughs> um, wait, hold on. Mike gets to really contribute right now. Yeah, I saw <gasps> a movie. What'd you see? What did I you saw see? a movie. Not, not, not even just a movie at home. Please set it up better. Go ahead. All right. Well, I went to the premiere of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Which doesn't say a Knives Out mystery at the beginning of the movie. So I kind of want them to rip that from the title. 
Yeah, it's a, it's wordy. It's, it's, it's very. If it's wordy. nominated for best picture, will it be just Glass Onion? I don't. Or will I don't it be... know. I don't know because there was a whole argument with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and where the ellipsis came. Oh, yeah. yeah, in the That's movie, right. it comes after the in, and then in the marketing, it's before the in. So it's, it's, it's like <laughs> ineligible. Yeah, yeah ineligible. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Glass Onion. The, the style uh, questions that we have to worry Rank about. Rank your but... favorite people yes. in the movie. Number one, who is it? <laughs> Oh, uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, it's the hard. correct answer is always Catherine Hahn. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Catherine Hahn is fantastic, but I gotta say, Janelle Monae. Yeah, yeah. Really? all right. Okay. I like, I like me some Janelle. Janelle's so, great. I mean, yeah. I like me some Janelle yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. Janelle Riley. She spells it differently. Yes. I can tell by yeah. how you're pronouncing it. You're talking about Janelle. Janelle, as opposed <laughs> to Janelle. I mean, Janelle's great. I think when I when he put like a weapon to my head, I'm gonna say Kate Hudson. She's Kate Hudson's brilliant. so good. In yeah, that. yeah. That I'm, walk is incredible. <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all pretty good. You know, I yeah. mean, Dan, starting with Daniel Craig, obviously, who unfortunately was was ill and oh, wasn't yeah, able saw. to attend the premiere. But um, you know, he's still the heart of that franchise and and fantastic in this one. And the twists and turns. I mean, it's just such a fun ride. And yeah. just when you think, okay, well, I kind of see where this is going. Nope. Midway through the film, they completely drop it and like basically give you a second film, like yeah. the, the second half of of what this is, and then you really see what's going on. It's yeah, it's you know Ryan Johnson, man. He I want that box. I want that puzzle. That box, box yeah. is a lot of fun. They, yeah, uh, it's so weird how time hop lines up sometimes because yesterday it informed me that three years ago I was doing the Q and A at the Knives Out premiere. Wow. And there's there's the photo of and I the funny thing is there were so many people on that panel and like I've actually forgotten people were like oh yeah and when Don Johnson I was like Don Johnson was there yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my goodness I remember that maybe yeah. that was the moment where Ryan Johnson saw your name and thought Janelle Janelle yeah. Janelle Monet yeah. And yes, where's my 20%? Yeah, exactly. You know, I did I, in the hopes that I would be asked to do a Q&A with um, Gla- Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. I bought knife uh, hair clips, and they are just sitting there unused as of as of this recording. Ah, I I'm doing, I'm doing a Glass Onion Q&A this week. But so I am I. I, oh, I. But I have my- I Great my, guys, thanks. I, have, <laughs> I, have, I, I still have my big knife uh, magnifying glass. At the, from at, the first. From the first There's one. some yeah. great swag. They also sent out AirPods. Oh, really? Remember, because when he's listening to Sondheim. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Does he sing Sondheim in this one? Uh, there is a Sondheim moment. moment. Oh, good. It yeah. will not be spoiled. Though. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's Edward Norton is Precious Cargo. He's, he's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Precious Cargo. He should be doing more comedy. I know. So Death so to good. Smoochie, everyone. I will keep saying it. That is a great movie. He, he's he's great. And um, Catherine Hahn is fantastic and i want her in every movie that... yeah. well good news <laughs> she is. it looks like <laughs> she is in every movie going forward um yeah so so definitely a, a fun film uh, is it really like in the oscar, oscar? mix just given just i mean sheer... people are saying it's better than the first one and the first yeah. one was yeah. and i actually think it's better than the first one i mean yes it is there's populist movies in the in the races here. It's just one of five that yeah, are in the races here. So that's the thing. I do think I, I think you're right in that this one moves sort of faster. It's got more of a tempo than the first one, and and you're really along for the ride the entire ride. Where I felt like there probably were some slow moments in the first one. This one 
Uh, I mean, it's not three hours and eight minutes. It, yeah. it, <laughs> it clips along. It's 219, and that's yeah. fine. By the way, I accidentally yeah. hit voice to text while we were all talking. And um, Siri thinks that Michael says, I like having people say it's better than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 But uh, I think story of my get life. A, a screenplay. It's definitely going to get adapted screenplay. Yeah, it's I going think, to adapted, I think, I think, right? Yeah, I think that's 100% happening. Um, I would love to see it in production design Same. and costumes because I think we over we 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 overlook modern day sets and that glass onion creation and that room. It's spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's spectacular. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, uh, sort of stroke a genius that Netflix had their premiere at the Academy Museum because that theater sort of looks like the glass yeah. onion. Yeah. So to have that there, sort of, that, that was something everyone was commenting on all night. Like, I feel like we're inside the glass onion while watching the glass onion. And it, yeah, Genius. I, I, too I, meta for me. And then, and then maybe, uh, maybe editing. Bob Doucet does a great job there. And then, and the, I think I, the score is great, but I think it calls back too much to the original, and that yeah. branch sucks at that sometimes unless you're john williams and they'll just do it every time but yeah but i think it's i think it's on the table i think janelle's on the table too yeah we'll see we'll see what they do yeah janelle's literally on the yep. table right now and, <laughs> and by the way like if there's a prom king of hollywood ryan johnson's probably it and i think like you never know like netflix pulls rabbits out of a hat all the time yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah you're right i mean who doesn't love Ryan Johnson right now? He's best. Yeah. He knows he, what he did. Yeah. <laughs> he was a guest on this podcast, so he's great. Yes. Um, and then lastly, there's a strange world happening tonight also. Yay. Disney's newest film that comes out November 23rd. And I don't think anyone knows what it's about. And now seeing it, I understand why, because I think uh, there's going to be a certain demographic of the world, I won't say America, the world, that will not be on board with what they have given us in the future children from the LGBTQ community. Well, that's that's a shame. Yeah. But it's but it's really, really good. Well, I'm looking forward to it, but you're right. I've seen the the marketing and I have no idea what it's about. Yeah. Yep. I, I sat down still not knowing. I was like, what is like I don't know what I'm about to see. I don't know even the characters, but um there will be it's it's really well done, and I think it's definitely going to get nominated for animated feature. Okay, seeing it tonight. I don't know if it's uh, has the goods to win, like to get past like Pinocchio or Turning Red, but I think it's going to be definitely on the table. All right. Well, I'm still looking forward to that. And um, yeah, what else? Uh, what's opening this weekend? Uh, the inspection. Oh, it does open. Yes, this with the fantastic Jeremy Pope. And the fantastic Gabrielle Gabriel Union. Union. She is fantastic. And also, um, I, we should also throw out Raul Castillo, yep. another Gotham Award nominee, mm -hmm. and um, Bokeem Woodbine. I love Bokeem Woodbine God, in that. Good. He's, he's really so good. good. He wasn't able, he's shooting somewhere, so he wasn't able to do any of the Q&As this weekend, but every time his name was even just mentioned, people would go crazy. Yeah. And I love him in uh, military gear because it reminds me of The Rock. Now, uh, do you know who Bokeem Woodbine is, Michael? Yeah. Okay. He's... He was in Fargo. Yeah, he was That's in Fargo. That's a TV show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He was yeah. Mike Milligan. Listen, I, I know him from he Posse. He was great as Mike Milligan. He was yeah. so great as Mike Milligan. I remember Milligan. him from Posse. Oh, my gosh. He was, he was in Posse. Dead yeah, Presidents. Was, and de I love yeah. Dead Presidents. Great actor. Yeah. 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 
All right. Well, shout out to him. Shout out to all of you, by the way. Chippendales tonight, isn't it? So, uh, Welcome to Chippendales. Yeah, it's, it's a busy week for premieres. It's Welcome to Chippendales this week. Also, uh, Wednesday, which they're uh, smartly actually holding the premiere on a Wednesday. Because <laughs> I mean, it would be really dumb if they didn't. It'd like, be confusing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and also Devotion tonight. I'm going Devotion. to. Devotion. Oh, you're finally seeing it. I haven't it. seen it. And then you will stop fighting with me when I say that it could possibly. I was, I, not not fighting. I just, uh, there's two airplane movies happening. Give people <laughs> more credit than that. People yeah, really they're love very devotion. different movies, yes. They really do. People love airplanes. <laughs> so <laughs> People love Jonah the Majors. I love B.O.B. <laughs> oh, whoa. You remember? It, well, no, no, no. I liked B.O.B. until it became like the King Flat Earth. Uh, yeah, yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> By the way, have you ever felt as old as you did when you looked at the nominees for Best New Artist at the Grammys this year? No, because I didn't look at the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There I are did. names I have never heard of. These are just words that uh, Anita, Omar Apollo, Domi and J.D. Beck, Mooney Long, Smara Joy, La- Lato, Man, uh, main skin. I cannot tell you how old. Man of skin. They won the uh, Eurovision. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 Eurovision. Molly Tuttle and Wet Leg. Yeah, Wet Leg. It's fantastic, too. Look at um, how hip. Well, no, he's no. teenagers. I'm not a regular yeah. mom. I'm a cool mom. Right, Amy Poehler? Look at, look at, <laughs> look at like, suddenly Clayton. Clayton I know. Clayton's the dad I here. Know. <laughs> I've never felt so, like, disconnected. I was like, where's my, like, Doja Cat or something? But that was last year, right? Yeah, Doja Cat's been around for a while. You're talking new artists, although that whole category is always- I only know Doja Cat because wasn't she thirsting after Joseph Quinn? Yes, and they got got upset because somebody- Yeah, (laughs) uh, because one of the kids (laughs) on the show revealed that. Stranger Things, yeah. Oh, broke my heart. Variety 10 actor to watch. And she also got- she got stuck with a name on Twitter. I just remember. Oh, that. I Christmas. heard this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, why did she change her name to Christmas? I, yeah. I guess to mess with the verification. Yeah. yeah. You can't change your name. You can't log out right now. Twitter is on like razor thin uh, ice, she, man. She was also on an uh, episode of Dave last season. <gasps> That's uh, right. Which is uh, an yeah. underrated show that y'all should I Dave is love very good. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dave. All right, we're just like rambling on now. The nope. the, the listeners want to get on to, with things, so they they've got things to do. They've got yeah. So uh, get to who is this week? This week is Kiyu Kwan. Everything, everywhere, all at ah, once. I love him and uh, Mr. Ben Foster talking emancipation. Excellent. Mm. What an interesting eclectic show, Clayton Davis. Award winning, wow. one would say. Yes, exactly. <laughs> FYC. Well, we will see you all next week for Thanksgiving, which I guess we're celebrating together on a Thursday. Good. Right. I have no plans. Bye. After the break, everything, everywhere, all at once. Star Kiyu Kwan. From Los Angeles, this is the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. Kiyu Kwan, who played Harrison Ford's 11-year-old sidekick short round in 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, is all grown up now and ready to be an Oscar contender. Kwan has received rousing reviews for his turn as Wayman Wong, the delightfully goofy husband 
in the Daniels' whimsical multiverse comedy, Everything Everywhere, All at Once. But he's also responsible for some emotionally powerful scenes as well. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please, be kind. Especially when we don't know what's going on. Quan quit acting in the late 1990s. Now, the Vietnamese-born actor's career is surging. With no frontrunner for Best Supporting Actor, Quan's name has been widely discussed. He even secured a Gotham nom back in early October. As the actor books more roles, he'll appear in The Electric State and in Marvel's upcoming Loki second season. Quan's rising visibility in the biz will have an advantageous effect on his Oscar campaign. I recently caught up with Quan to talk about everything everywhere all at once, where his career is going next, and much, much more. We began by discussing what he's been up to in these recent years. Wow, uh, uh, there's so much been happening. uh, And honestly, ever since our movie came out, uh, it's been amazing. Mm -hmm. It it really has. uh, I've been very emotional. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been very cathartic. Yep. Uh, and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude how well our movie has, you know, ha- has done at the box office, how the audience has embraced my return to acting. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, for, for the last few months, a lot, of, a lot of people have come up to me and, and told me how much they enjoyed our movie yeah. and, and, and what it means for them to see me back up on the screen. Yeah. Uh, and how much they enjoyed it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible. Uh, and I'm so happy and I'm feeling so grateful yeah. right now. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, you know, listen, it's well-deserved. Uh, your performance in the movie is, is incredible, but I, how, so how did the Daniels, how did you get mixed up with the Daniels? Like that is like gotta be the one of the most random sentences. I would never think that they would know you to bring you into bring you out of retirement into acting. So how'd you get involved with the it, movie? It's just everything. It, it, it's it's wonderful how everything came together. Uh, it was literally two weeks when I decided to get back to into acting, and this is after like a year of conversation with my wife, going back and forth whether I should do this, whether I not. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, and it's just like prepping myself what it would mean to be an actor again. And of course, you know, all those rejections that come, you know, with, with being an actor. So I was just really nervous. I was, you know, 49 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. I was about to hit 50. Um, and I felt like, you know, probably another decade would, would go by really quick. And, uh, and I, I, I see myself turning somehow for some reason, I, I, I see myself turning 60 and looking back and probably if I, had I not make the decision to be an actor again, I would regret it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be at a place where I would have regrets. Uh, so yeah. And, and, and luckily my wife was very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, she told me, she prepped me about, you know, all these things that would happen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like going to auditions and, and getting rejected again and again. Yeah. Uh, and finally, you know, I said, let's do it. Uh, I call up a friend of mine who is an agent yeah. um, and, and practically begged him to, to represent me because I didn't have an agent for decades. Yeah. Um, and, and luckily he said yes. And two weeks later, I got two, this phone two, call. Literally two weeks later, 
uh, I got this call from the from from uh, uh, the Daniels, asking me to go in an audition for them. And right before I was scheduled to go in, uh, they sent they sent the script over, uh, and I read it, and I was, oh man, I it, I I was so. The script hit me on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, it was just beautifully written. It featured a Chinese American family, which I always wanted. Yeah. Um, and people don't write scripts like that for us. Uh, and it was something that I wanted for a long time. Uh, and then also this prospect of of working with Michelle Yeoh uh, was was enormous. Uh, you know, I I grew up watching her movies, and, and I was a fan of hers for decades. Um, and I was really nervous, so I, I you know, I, I, I got myself an acting coach to coach me for the audition, went in there, uh, thought I did really well, mm-hmm. uh, and then I didn't hear from them for two, two months. So any hope that I had- So two of, weeks get, it took you two weeks to get a call for an audition and then two months to- Yeah, I didn't hear <laughs> anything from them, and uh, so I thought, you know, any, any hope of me landing this role was, was completely gone. Uh, and thank God they called me again. I went in there to audition for the second time, uh, and uh, and then and then briefly after that they told me I, I I got the role. And it was just I mean it was one of the happiest days of my life. I, I wanted this so bad. Uh, we were just talking about how you know uh, how how big the lottery yeah. is. Uh, you know it's, it's you know honestly if you ask me then do I want to win the lottery or do I want to win this role. I would have told you without a doubt. I wanted this. That's how. That's how hungry I was for this. How. That's how much. How eager I was for it. Uh, yeah, and um, and it's been incredible since. I, I imagine in my head. I just imagine uh, you having a conversation with your wife, uh, similar to like any cop movie where he says, "I'm going back in," you know. And the wife's <laughs> like, "But no, you said you were going to be out now, and now you're going back in." What? What? I guess I for a lot of people who don't know what took you away from from the industry you know we knew you in indiana jones temple of doom we knew you in the goonies and then we we didn't hear from you again so what pulled you out of it well you know i i, I was very lucky when i was a little kid uh, i didn't go searching to be an actor uh, acting found me mm-hmm. and um and i started at the very very top working with steven spielberg and george <laughs> lucas and harrison ford i mean come on that that's a dream yeah. for any actor true you know uh and and then i the follow-up movie was the goonies um, and so I thought it was, you know, the role would be that easy. Uh, you know, I was young, I was naive. Uh, but then as I got older, the road got progressively harder, more rugged, uh, more bumpy. Uh, and then I, it was in my late teens and in my early twenties, I just found myself spending a lot of time waiting for the phone to ring and it rarely rang. Uh, and I was just dispirited, despondent. Uh, and it was at a time where, you know, when you're in your twenties, it's supposed to be the golden years, you know, you're, yeah. you're supposed to be out there doing all these crazy and wild things and, and, and fun things. Uh, but all I did was just, you know, sit by the phone and wait. Uh, and I would call my agent, uh, every like once in a long while and said, and ask him if he has, if there's anything out there for me. Uh, and the answer would always be the same. Uh, no, I'm sorry, but you, you know, if I, if I see something, I'll call you back. Uh, and, uh, and it was just, you know, for, for, for a long while, it wasn't fun anymore. Uh, all those, all those great things that I was, you know, experiencing on my first two movies, all of that was gone. Uh, and, and I was just faced with an uncertain future. 
Uh, I didn't know what to do. I was so lost. Uh, and I debated for the longest time because it was so painful to step away from something that I loved dearly, but I just didn't have a choice. Uh, so I enrolled myself in film school. I went to USC film school um, and, and graduated. You're a Trojan. And, yeah, yeah, I'm a Trojan. Ahead, yeah, yeah. It, it, one of the greatest film school ever. Um, yeah, and I graduated in 99. Uh, and started working behind the camera since. Okay. Yeah. Was that, so that's what you were doing for uh, a lot of that time. You were just uh, working in productions, but behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, I I, I love movie making. I love yeah. this. I love this industry. I love this world. Uh, and I I didn't want to completely step away from it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I I just wanted to learn more about it. So yeah. So when I graduated, I you know I was working a lot in Hong Kong for uh, for uh, a filmmaker named Wong Kar Wai, oh, yeah. uh, who we dedicated an yeah. entire universe to in in, in the mood of love. Yeah. I mean in, in in our movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, and I also worked for uh, an action director named Koi Yuan uh, for a number of years. Uh, so yeah. So I was just having fun uh, uh, working behind the camera. Um, until 2018, yeah, yeah. Uh, when you get this uh, audition, uh, and- no, when 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 a movie called The Crazy Witch Asians came out, ah, um, and and I went to see it in the movie theater three times, cried every single time, uh, and I had serious FOMO, uh, watching my fellow Asian actors up on the screen, yeah. doing wonderful work, uh, and I wanted to be up there with them, and that was really when that the idea of being an actor started taking place. That is the, I speak a lot of my platform here in my entire career has been talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and those moments that you can't quantify. And cause crazy rich Asians exist besides being a box office sensation, proving that other stories that aren't just white can make money. Uh, here it is on screen, inspiring kids, but also a forty-eight-year-old uh, at the time, forty-seven-year-old yeah. at the time, uh, to get back into the game. And you can't quant- you can't quantify that in a in a boardroom or a pitch uh, room or a meeting. So that it just feels really good to hear you talk about that. Yeah, that's why that's why representation is important. Uh, you know, because uh, who who knows who, who you can ins- inspire? Uh, it was definitely you know it, it's it's not until you see yourself up there uh, yeah. that you think it's possible. And um, and and honestly, I mean, not just for Asian Americans, but I think all groups of people uh, should should have a voice. Uh, and 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 you know, and our medium is really powerful. Uh, so uh, yeah, when when you get to see yourself represented, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. That's awesome. No, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, so when you went in for your audition, back to your audition for a second, did, I was like, it's weird to ask, but did the Daniels like know who you are when you already walked in? They, yeah, they. Like, they, like they, how they ma- I, I just want to know throughout your life, how many short rounds do you hear screamed at you, just like <laughs> walking down the street that you're just like guys, <laughs> like you, you know, for for the longest time, every time I go on an audition, mm-hmm. you know, the casting director would recognize me. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, and and this is, you know, I mean, in my in my in my earlier years too, they would say, oh my god, you know, you 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 short 
court round, or mm. you were great in the Goonies, yeah. uh, you were great in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and I was really happy to hear that, uh, thinking that it would help me in some way <laughs> to land the role, but the majority of the time, it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so this time, I mean, the Daniels knew who I, who I was walking in, uh, and they were very generous, were very kind, uh, and they made me really comfortable when I was in the room with them and our casting director, Sarah Finn. Um, and yeah, and uh, the whole time they were directing me, uh, which this was the first audition in decades. Uh, and I was really nervous. Do you remember, uh, do you remember I, the last film you auditioned for before you called it quits? The, 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 the last time was in, in 1993. No. Uh, I, I went in, uh, and this was maybe a year, year and a half without a single audition, without a single opportunity. Uh, my agent called me and says, Key, there's this little role. Uh, I don't know if you're interested. Uh, you know, it's, it has two lines. Uh, the character didn't have a name, but I was so hungry. I, ha I hadn't worked for a year and a half. And I said, yeah, of course I would, I would go and audition for it. Uh, so I went in, I walked in the room and there was 30 other Asian actors uh, fighting for this, for this tiny role. And again, yeah, I walked in, the, the casting director knew who I was. Um, I did my thing. Went home, waited an entire week, uh, thinking, you know, my agent would call me and tell me the good news. Uh, it didn't. He didn't. I called him instead and asked him, you know, what's the status of that? Uh, and he told me this devastating news. Uh, he says, you know, I think they went w with a different direction. Uh, they picked somebody else. Do you remember the movie? Uh, no, 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 I don't remember. Oh. remember but, I, but I do remember sitting at the edge of my bed yeah. after I hung up the phone I sat there for the longest time. It's got to be like an hour, mm -hmm. just thinking, "What the hell am I doing here?" You know, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was not at a good place, uh, and yeah. So that was the last time I auditioned. So, and needless to say, when I was auditioning for the Daniels, I was super nervous. My yeah. heart was pounding the entire time, uh, and I think they noticed that. So they, you know, in the very beginning, they just had a really nice chat to try to calm me down. Yeah. Um, and the whole time that I was auditioning, they were giving me directions behind the camera. And immediately, I, all those wonderful memories that I had on the set of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came flooding back, very similar to the way Steven Spielberg directed me when I was a little kid. Uh, and I was having a lot of fun. I, I was, I was, you know, I, I love the directions they were giving me. I, I felt like I was acting again. Uh, yeah, and, and I felt really good uh, leaving that, that audition. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I mean, I didn't think, I mean, it, it's still, I mean, landing this role at that time seemed so far-fetched. Uh, and, and honestly, for me, having not you know, done it for, for more than 20 years, just getting any job as an actor seemed so distant and difficult to me at that time. Uh, so you can only imagine how happy i was when i when you know when i got the phone call oh, oh god they just it's very happy like not not a lot of happy stories in this town sometimes like sometimes it's especially for people of color we it's it's like but you know but you know that that was my first audition yeah. in, in in over more than two and a half decades the interesting thing is after I did this movie, and of course, you know, every the, the entire world was shut down for you know for 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 for, for, for the pandemic. Oh yeah, there's a there was a pandemic going on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and our movie hasn't come out, um, and I was 
auditioning. I, you know, I kept you know looking for my next job, yeah. uh, but a lot of them were self-taped. Mm. Uh, and for two and a half years, or the duration of the of the pandemic, I've done maybe twenty to thirty auditions, and I did not get one single job during this two and a half during this two and a half year period. Uh, I did not get one callback. And I was miserable. Uh, our movie hasn't come out. Uh, and everything that I was experiencing when I was much younger, I was experiencing again, but in a much shorter period of time. Those, I mean, when I was younger, it was for years and years. But this was for maybe, I would say, two years. And I would audition for movies, television series, you know, you know series regular roles. And finally, I was so desperate for a job. Um, I called my agent up and I was, I was on the verge of losing my health insurance. And I said, just please give me anything, you know, any, any guest on roles in anything. Uh, and he got me those auditions. I did not get those either. It was nothing. Uh, and I think there was even at a time where my agent was losing, losing faith in me. Yeah. I was losing faith in myself. Uh, I hadn't seen the movie. The Daniels were very, you know, gracious. They, they, you know, they asked me if I wanted to see it, but I was too nervous. I said, no, no, I'm going to wait until, you know, the movie comes out, then I'll watch it. Uh, and I, I remember calling my producer, our producer, Jonathan Wong, and I said, Jonathan, I said, oh my God, I, I, I must suck. I cannot get one single job. Nobody wants to hire me, you know? And he says, Key, just wait. Just be patient. Um, he was very sweet, and uh, and yeah, and uh, and I was so nervous, and everything changed when our movie came out. Everything changed. Obviously, more than insurance, it was it just gave you that hope. Yeah, and and and, and it validated. It gave me this huge validation that I can do this. Yeah. Uh, I I even at one point during the pandemic, I even joked. I said nobody wants to hire me except Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, <laughs> Wong Kar and the Daniels. Nobody else. Yeah. And uh, and and when our movie for, uh, you know came out, I mean, by the way, good company to like yeah, want them, yeah. people that want you. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> and then one day I got a call from Kevin Feige. Uh, uh, telling me that he saw the movie uh, and, and told me how much he loved the movie. Uh, and he, uh, uh, he asked me to join the MCU family on Loki Season 2. Uh, and then I went back and I, and I told the Daniels and Jonathan Wong, I said, you know, nobody wants to hire me except, you know, Steven Spielberg, <laughs> George Lucas, the Daniels, Wong Kawai, and now Kevin Feige, which was an incredible feeling. Uh, you, could, but, you could be bougie about it. Only the a, the top uh, Hollywood producers, A-listers but, want, but, I mean, want but, you. But, but this, I mean, this, this is so true. Like, like yeah. I, I was so, I was so nervous. Uh, um, and, and all those, all those like, like horrible memories that I had when I was in my late teens and, and early 20s. And those auditions that I had when I was younger. And, and I mean, they came far and few in between. And no matter how small the role is, I could not land the job. Uh, and I, and for the longest time, I thought, you know, I, I thought it was me. I thought I wasn't good enough. I thought I wasn't tall enough or, or good looking enough. Uh, I, because, you know, I never went through the proper training as an actor. Uh, and I, I always felt inferior to, you know, uh, to whoever, 
got the job. You know, every time I watch it, I go, "Oh my God, that actor deserves it much better than me. He's so much better than me." And and again, I was experiencing all of that during the, the during the entire pandemic. Uh, every tape that I sent in. Uh, again, I, you know, I waited for the, you know, I was by my phone again, waiting for my agent to call and, and tell me not just that I got the role, but perhaps maybe a callback, mm-hmm. hoping, you know, a callback to meet the, with the director or the producer and, and, and t- to have an opportunity again to show them that, that I'm capable of doing this. Uh, and it was none of that. And of course, uh, 2021 went by, uh, and, and I lost my health insurance. And so right before our movie came out, yeah. Uh, so so to, that's why I've been overwhelmed with emotions for the last six months, um, especially when, you know, reading some of the comments. Uh, uh, anyway, first of all, very, very sorry. My, my wife told me, Key, you've been crying too much. Don't cry, don't <laughs> it, cry. It, but, uh, it's it's yeah. literally, it's I apologize, it's I'm not no, really good at this. you and, never, uh, listen, yeah. I am a baby, <laughs> I cry and everything. And this is, these are happy tears. This is yes, like, yes, definitely these are, happy these are relief tears. These are like, a, there's a lot of things tied into this. I mean, if you stubbed your toe and cried, I'd be upset with you. But no, 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 these no, these are certainly happy tears. I'm, I'm, I'm in a very, very good place. I'm in a very grateful place. And that's Kiyu Kwan, star of Everything Everywhere All at Once. From A24, it's now in theaters and on demand. Directed by Antoine Fuqua, written by Bill Collage, and produced by Todd Black, Joey McFarlane, John Moan, and Will Smith. Apple Original Films' Emancipation tells the story of a runaway slave who navigates the swamps of Louisiana on an arduous journey to escape the plantation owners who nearly killed him. Of course, much of the conversation surrounding the film will focus on star Will Smith, who must win back the good graces of Hollywood after his infamous slap of Chris Rock at last year's Oscars telecast. Smith stars as Peter, a runaway slave who flees Louisiana in hopes of traveling north to freedom. But keep an eye on Ben Foster, recently seen as a star of Barry Levinson's Holocaust biopic The Survivor, which was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Television Movie. In Emancipation, he plays Fassel, a man who doggedly pursues any enslaved person who attempts to flee to freedom, which also includes Peter. I recently spoke with Foster about the role and the busy year that he's had. When Antoine called me up, uh, I was... I Is was, that normal for you, by the way? Does he just call Ben Foster sometimes? It's the first time Antoine called me. <laughs> yeah. but I, I'm a was like, Antoine wants to speak with you, so I, y- yeah. y- yes, sir. Uh, big fan of his. And uh, I was prepping a, another job. Uh, and uh, and he sent me the script and read the script of Emancipation and it, it's it was such a great read and rather than being a dusty historical movie about a very ugly topic it 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 felt that the design of it was entertaining mm-hmm. historically accurate. Or at least in honor of uh, of, of true events, uh, and when I read it and I talked to him, I'm like, why are you calling me for this right now? <laughs> I, I, this guy, I, I, I'm an, I have two kids. I, 
Call me for a romantic comment. Like, why this guy right now? Yeah. Right now. Um, And he said, I want to lift the veil. And I didn't quite, I couldn't quite process what that meant. Yeah. And I said, well, I love the script, love you, love Will Smith, think it's an important piece, you should... You're going to do something tremendous, uh, but I, I need, I don't know if I want to think about this. Yeah. I don't know if I want to think about this. Yeah. And I, as, as you brought up earlier, uh, the survivor, I had uh, you know, spent time in Auschwitz uh, researching the extermination of six million human beings. Uh, so, the idea of investigating the scars that America has left and, and how we're still experiencing the wounds of uh, just felt like a weight I didn't want to look at. But I couldn't sleep that night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and his words kept echoing. So I went on a, a research spiral of what does lifting the veil mean? for systemic racism in our country? Not a simple question to mm-hmm. answer. And without getting too far into it, the character as written, uh, Bill College wrote a great script. The character signaled white devil from the South with snakeskin boots. And it was very eccentric, really mm-hmm. eccentric character, uh, which my younger ears, I probably would have, it's been like, oh, that's the guy. Oh, yeah. no, no, che- that's Chewy. <laughs> and something about it just, I, I couldn't get my head around. And on the 4th of July, I was on the way to some picnic with my kids and my wife. And in my news feed, Frederick Douglass's What Does 4th of July Mean? <clears throat> and I read that. And the character came into full focus. And I called him on the 4th on my way to the picnic. I was like, I have an idea. It's company holiday, man. It's company holiday. Everybody's out <laughs> barbecues and you're like, hey, I want to talk about, I want to talk about. Emancipation. Emancipation. Yeah. I have a thought. He's like, he's like, oh, I'm at a thing. And so I sent him. And, and it's well known. Frederick Douglass is what is it? Fourth of July, I mean, and uh, and he called me right away, and I said, "Here, here's the thought. You want to lift the veil about the white racist in America? We take him out of the South first. Not everyone in the South is racist. Not everyone in the North is a civil rights activist." Mm-hmm. So we, we want to make him the guy that could be a farmer, the pastor, your next door neighbor. We put him in the plains. Let's take all the sugar off this character. So there's nothing scarier than somebody that you could just see next door. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm in. I said, all right, well, let's, let's go. And that was, that was, Six days before we started shooting, so it was it was a complete redesign, and and we stripped it and 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 had some of the more uh, enlightening, hard uh, conversations about why are we still dealing with this, yeah. 
so we started exchanging essays. Uh, James Baldwin in particular was big. The reading list was immense. It was a big dive, cast, 1619 project. And we just started sharing what is the core of this racist man. And it's white fear. So you get down to what is white fear. And that was extraordinary to, to talk with Antoine about and explore the guilt of having done, or at least the awareness of having done something so impossible to a fellow human being, how do we get into the engine of that? It's, it's interesting you say that because when I was watching the film, I'm reminded there's a common theme I, I keep coming to as I was watching it. Like, what does freedom actually mean? Like, what that word we say and people just say as talking points of you know, why we should do certain legislation or why people should be able to say whatever they want. So it's freedom. What does freedom actually mean? And who holds the keys to that door in, in the world? And when I was watching you, I'm reminded of other great performances in, in history, like Michael Fassbender in 12 Years a Slave, Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. I, I thought of a lot. Uh, I, I was, I said that I feel like this is Antoine Fuqua's Schindler's List. Like it, it's, it's, it's everything it needs to be. It's not pretty in the sense of what it depicts. Robbie Richardson is on loan from heaven as a cameraman. Like he's one of our finest cinematographers at the top of the uh, game. Like unreal. Uh, how beautiful that he makes that movie just look in such a gruesome way. But uh, I was thinking about that freedom aspect. Um, where did you pull from? Because it, this, I know, and everyone hopefully knows, this is the polar opposite of Ben Foster. And so you have to get to an ugly place that you are not in favor of <laughs> in, in this world. How do you get there and then come out of it whole? Well, it's. I come from a family that have fought for civil rights for generations. My, my grandfather, my grandmother, my father marched with Martin Luther King a month after Selma in Boston with 20,000 people. I mean, these are, mm. these are Jewish immigrants, the Romanian, Ukrainian immigrants. Uh, my grandfather... Uh, uh, picketed outside of Woolworths in the 50s. Only picketer, by the way, because people of color were not allowed to eat at the cafe table. So the way that I was raised reading this script is saying, yes, we need to talk about this, but no, I don't want to ask these questions. And, and part of that, when I got the call from Anton, was, was like, this is everything I don't want to look at. And then not being, I'm not on social media. I, I, I don't, I'm not outward with speaking politics. But upon that call with Antoine and discussing how do we talk about, how do we show, rather than just villainizing systemic racism, who is the individual? How does it happen? Where does it come from? Mm. So the education began. We're not taught these things in school. Mm -hmm. 
So a deep honor to speak with with him, and I mean that an honor because it's raw, man. It's raw, and what he pulled off with this film and the way he came to set every day was was like a prize fighter coming to fight for love. The messaging is love. The message of the film, if we can talk about it, is the will to survive against impossible odds. So having just done the survivor uh, playing a man who was in a concentration camp and had to escape, had to fight his fellow Jews to the death on the other side of the wire, to have the opportunity to then re-examine something which was so shocking to feel the similarities. We shot in Louisiana on plantations, work camps, where men, women, and children were worked to death. When we visited Auschwitz for the survivor, it marks your being, however you want to talk about it. It changes your uh, life view in a visceral way. Uh, And I felt the same way when we walked on those plantations. And seeing those two, what we do to each other as human beings, what we have done, and in spite of that, we can still remember that no matter how bad it gets, the human spirit or the will for uh, your family, however you want to frame it, uh, can do impossible things for good. So I, I, it was, a, it was a, a great gift to be able to ask these awful questions. There's a book um, that was very uh, influential, that which is kind of tangentially connected. Uh, it's called "Without Sanctuary," and it has many. It has fabulous, uh, fabulous, but insightful essays. Uh, Frederick Douglass, James Baldwin, uh, great thinkers of. But but it's a photo document of the lynchings in America, <clears throat> and one of the essays talked about the. Uh, it's something like the ruthless matter-of-factness of racism. Mm. Matter-of-factness. And so that that stuck in my head. Yeah. Uh, and we just, we, we just kept going further. It's just, this is a job. This man is, uh, is in charge of a work camp. Lincoln has said uh, emancipation is happening, but it hasn't trickled down yet, so... We're dealing with human assets. And what was so frightening as we explored Fassel, the character of Fassel, was saying, well, what if this man isn't just a scary racist, but it's, it's matter-of-fact work? And something that Antoine said to me that was so uh, it resonates today was talking about mental slavery. Mm. And this goes back to your question about what is freedom? What does that word mean? Who, who controls my freedom? Is there, a, is there a big group of people who are not? Is it my life circumstance? Is it partly mental? Is it my conditioning? And one of the great directions he gave me said, the reason you need to go after Peter, who's played by Will Smith, who I think does the finest work of his career in this film, uh, was that he's mentally free. And that drives facile. I don't say crazy, but obsessed. 
Because if you can control someone's mental state, mm-hmm. then you control their body. Then you can control people. And that's a virus, and fear is a virus, and it spreads. So if you can't break this guy, you've got to do every, every possible way to get him under your, under your thumb. And, uh, so those questions were, were every day. Uh, how do you get mentally free? Uh, that is a very insightful way to put put it because I'm I was thinking about that I do see how that drive is almost like a cancer inside a vessel like it just it it drives him nuts uh, throughout the way and drives his motivation to track him and continue to pursue him. I have to ask about the shoot that um, rumor has it was a little difficult because a you know weather a major weather event took place a hurricane mm-hmm. uh not nothing to do with climate change obviously, it's obviously just, that's obviously. not real no, no, not real it's well, just no. it was just wet it's sure. just it's just water it's just, water. just a lot of water yeah no it's <laughs> um but, but you can see it like all over the screen like you can like see like you almost feel the hurricane on coming. frames like and coming and like all about like what what was that like and Again, Robbie Richardson, I don't know what he stood on. We have to protect him at all costs. I don't know how he was getting these shots, uh, the field and and everything. Bob Richardson is a sorcerer. (laughs) I I will follow him to the gates of hell. Yeah. That man, uh, and you feel his presence the way that anybody who, who, who has devoted their life to, has devoted their life, you feel them. It could be a boxer, it could be a nun. He's a cinematographer. Bob Richardson walks on set. Mm. He's not making a big show, but watching him look at light <laughs> it is, is one of the finest joys I've... And getting to spend a little bit of time with him, um, he, he's... Uh, he, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's one of our greats. He's one of the greatest cinematographers of all time. Mm-hmm. What he did with Emancipation is... Uh, so elevated and refined in its brutality. That's Ben Foster, star of Emancipation, which hits select theaters on December 2nd before launching December 9th on Apple TV+. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.